Okay, good evening. Today is March 1st, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is more about alcoholism, and our speaker tonight is Gary. Thank you, Gary. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive eater and a member of the Saturday Solutions Group. My name is Gary, and I'm more about alcoholism, because um, apparently there wasn't enough about alcoholism. Uh, in chapters one and two. Uh, and, and there really isn't. This chapter is really meant uh, almost to be paired with the doctor's opinion. Um, a, lot, a lot of first step material. And um, another name for this chapter, in case, you know, this is a very important chapter for newcomers to read. When you, when you first come in, it's like right up there with the doctor's opinion. The doctor's opinion, both chapters explore um, the allergy and the mental obsession. But the doctor's opinion focuses largely on the on the allergy, and this chapter focuses mo mostly on the mental obsession, on the strange mental twist. Um, so it's really important for newcomers. And uh, I've heard this chapter referred to as more about relapse. Um, so if you've been around a while, I've been doing this a long time, and I read this chapter a lot. Um, anytime I've come near having troubles with food, they've been related to something in this chapter. Um, you know, uh, it's because this chapter is about being insane. And uh, I, I was taught the insanity isn't the crazy shit we, uh, the crazy stuff we do when we eat or when we look to eat or when we, re or when we restrict. I was taught the insanity is that we pick up, you know, that, that first bite, that's the insanity. Like um, if we weren't insane, diets would work. If, you know, if we weren't insane, we lose the weight and we'd be good. <laughs> like, um, we would know that every time I broke my diet, this happened and I wouldn't do it anymore. Uh, the problem is um, that I'm crazy. Uh, as the second step tells me, uh, you know, in order to be restored to sanity, I have to uh, start off with, with a lack of some. So more about alcoholism. Um, and this is what I mean by it. Like, he uses the word in this chapter, the word insane, over and over and over again. This is where the, the term strangely insane comes from, uh, is in this chapter. He also, he even uses the word crazy. He uses it in, in relationship to the jaywalker, but he's demonstrating that the jaywalker and, 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 and us are similar. So he even uses the word crazy. And um, so if you're offended by hearing that you might be insane, um, here's what I can tell you. Um, too bad. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, I was taught early on that if you have an eating disorder, any eating disorder, it means you're profoundly mentally ill. And in the beginning, it says most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily, bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Um, therefore, it's not surprising that our drinking, the drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove like we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, we'll, he will con, uh, control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. In the, from the very beginning, it's saying we're abnormal, we're obsessed. Um, uh, nobody likes that idea. No, nobody likes that idea. But there, there is hope, like... Uh, if I'm insane, all I need to be doing, do, all I need to do get well is to be brought to sanity. Um, 
And that's what the steps are for. Um, someday he will control and enjoy his drinking. I could never control and enjoy my eating. I could do one or the other. I could control it in which case I was miserable. I was just such a son of a bitch when I was when I was dieting. I was I was just uh, a horrible person to be around. God forbid the, the waiter was slow in bringing me my food when my blood sugar was dropping. Um, uh, what a prick. Uh, Many pursue it to the gates of insanity or death. Uh, if you go to enough meetings, you'll meet lots of people who have been locked up in insane asylums. Um, I've been in OA going on 35 years, a little over 34 years. In this time, I've known 15 people who have died of this disease. Um, I know more people who have died of an eating disorder than I do of alcoholism or drug addiction in recovery. Um, and these are people who came in, got recovered, and then died. Um, and uh, of those 15 people who have died, four of them have been suicides. Uh, three men, one woman, uh, one woman. Three men, um, men, men tend to commit suicide more often than women um, in light of this. But, they, but many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. And that's why Bill Wilson's telling us more about alcoholism because it's a serious, serious matter that's really worthy, you know. Um, people die. You know, I'm really fortunate. When I came in, I fell in with a group of 12-step people. There was no, like, doing one, two, and three, and then getting ready for four. The people I fell in with just did the 12 steps and, and now live the 12 steps, 12-step way of life. Um, uh, there was no, like, uh, contemplating about it. I was just doing it. Um, and I'm really grateful for that because that's really what it takes. Is, uh, abstinence alone, abstinence alone will solve our allergy. You know, if, if it is true that we have an allergy and a mental obsession, absence alone will solve the allergy. If I don't pick up that first bite, I won't trigger the allergy. And it's really that simple. And that's why for many of us, it gets a little bit easier after we've been absent for a little while, like early on. Um, but as you see in here, um, that gives it makes us cocky sometimes. And we forget that the, the real problem, the real problem isn't the allergy. The real problem is the mental obsession. Because if it was just the allergy, we would have handled it just with our absence. Mental obsession is handled through the 12 steps. That's the deal. And, and if you're new here, and, and I heard there's at least one person who is, welcome. You are in great shape, man, because this is one marvelous way of life. The 12-step way of life is one joyous. I, I don't know anybody who lives this way of life who asks for their money back. Um, but I will point out there, there are four stories in this chapter, if you include the jaywalker. There's, there's uh, Fred, there's Fred uh, who re retires after, you know, he, he stops drinking for 25 years, and then after 25 years, he picks up a bottle and is dead in four years. There's Jim who puts the milk in with his whiskey. Um, there's the, the jaywalker. And there's uh, another guy, I can't remember his name, who just goes to Washington. He's convinced that self-knowledge will help him. He, he's, he's met by uh, a couple of alcoholics in the hospital. They tell him everything. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. But um, And here's the thing. In each one of the four stories, what, what, one reason they, they relapse is, of course, it says this about Jim, is that he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. The solution is spiritual. However, in all four stories, the problem started with a thought. 
in all four stories, the guy with the milk, the, and this, my, my sponsors quotes this line all the time. He goes, suddenly I had a thought, you know, like suddenly I had a thought and milk would be fine with, the, you know, whiskey would be fine with the milk. And that's, and that's really where it starts. Everybody I know who's relapsed has started with some insane thought and he calls it insane in the book. He says they're, they're uh, insanely trivial excuses. Um, he says the insane idea wins out along with our good logic and our good thinking the insane idea win, wins out and we and we pick up um so suddenly i had a thought the jaywalker couldn't get the jaywalking idea out of his head it tells us um the guy who was sober for 25 years says he suffered from the belief that many of us suffer from it says he suffered from the belief that his long-term time in sobriety gave him abil the ability to drink like other men. Um, and and the, the, the last story, the guy who, who um, just ends up drinking and he goes to Washington on business. And as he's crossing the threshold, he says, I just had the thought that a cocktail would be nice with dinner. You know, I just had the thought. And I got to, um, I have not, I haven't eaten sugar or flour or I haven't eaten any of the crap that I don't eat in thirty in almost thirty five years. I haven't eaten any of that stuff, but I've relapsed um, over the years by overeating. Um, if, if this was Sugars Anonymous, I'd be like a superstar. But it, but it's Overeaters Anonymous, <laughs> and I have overeaten uh, the food that I eat and and gained weight at one point. And um, <clears throat> all that happened because of a thought, like an extra piece of fruit won't hurt me or I can handle this, or I'm thin now, I know what I'm doing. And all those thoughts, and these, this is what he's talking about throughout this chapter, is how our thinking uh, leads us to pick up. And that's why I said it it's, can be, be thought of as more about relapse. Um, newcomers will relate to this, will relate to this experience about not thinking and suddenly being off eating again. But so this happens to many of us who are here for a while. Um, a friend of mine says that addicts are people who figure out what works and then stop doing it. Um, and, and that's what happens to many of us. We, we, we get here, we get abstinent, we make the three phone calls a day, we go to three to four meetings a week, we do, we do service, we do all that stuff. And then there's nothing more dangerous than an addict whose life is going well. You know, we, like we're usually pretty good when we're desperate. Um, no alcoholic ever recovers control. Then he gives this list, and I always love this part um, on page 30 through 31, where he gives the list of here are some of the methods we have tried. And he gives this list, thinking it's a long list of what alcoholics have tried. Um, but that's nothing compared to what food addicts have tried. <laughs> that's nothing, nothing compared to what food addicts have There's no surgery for alcoholism. There's no there's no, I uh, think about what a drastic measure that is. And I'm sure some of the people here have done that. I, I have done more drastic things myself. Um, what a drastic measure it is to have my stomach, to have abdominal surgery in an attempt to heal my, my, my illness. And, and of course it doesn't work, but um, um, our list would way outdo that list of, of addicts, of, of what, what alcoholics do to, um, um, this is, it starts, you know, the man of 30 who says he fell victim to the belief which practically every alcoholic has. Then he says, and this is important, not just on the first step, you know, when you first get here, but throughout our recovery, 
If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind or any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to compulsive eating. Um, my sponsor tells me to be hopeless. He says, you are hopeless, you are not helpless. But if I get hopeful around my, my, my addiction, I start getting this hope that I can get well and become like a normal, and that's not going to happen. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not helpless, but I am hopeless. I'm a hopeless compulsive eater, and that's not going to change. And that is because of the, what, what Bill Wilson calls the peculiar mental twist, twist already acquired, this peculiar mental twist. And he says, what sort of thinking dominates uh, somebody before they pick up the first drink? Insane thinking. Why does he do it? What is he thinking? He's insane. Um, and then he talks about, this is the story of Jim with the milk. Um, I have done more ridiculous things than that. Uh, there was a substance, I don't know if he mentioned foods here at this meeting or not, so I'll, I'll try to avoid it. But there was a substance when I was binging that used to give me diarrhea. Um, so I would binge on that thinking like, like it's a wash, <laughs> like, 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 you know, thinking like I could eat all I want. I guess I was just, it was just going to come out the other, uh, the other way. Anyhow, like, um, you know, so that's just as insane as the milk and, and the stuff. And the jaywalker, I always relate to that. I like on page 37, he says, uh, our second, our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. The insane idea won out um, repeatedly. It is for me to believe that a piece of food doesn't count. Uh, an old friend of mine, an old therapist friend of mine, says every bite counts. You know, and to get that into my head, to get that as a, as a every bite bite counts. And um, I tend to speak a lot about God. God has really saved me and really re redeemed me. Um, in this. But that is the only way I know. Uh, it's the only way I know to overcome the insanity of compulsive eating um, is through God. My thinking will lead me into all these dilemmas. I don't romance food thoughts. When I get a food thought in my head, I do as quickly as possible. I think of something else, somebody I can help, something, something else. I don't know if you can see me very well in this, but um, even me, if I sit around a barbershop long enough, I'm going to get a haircut. Um, and, and the same thing is if I let a food thought marinate in my in my head, and it's called romancing your food. It happens a lot to beginners. And if you begin to pay attention to this, it's, it's like being a food voyeur, you know, getting a little kick out of like, you know, peeking in the, in the bakery window or something like that, or watching our friends eat. The insane idea ran out. We had to admit that even when we had our justification for our spree was insane, our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in light of what always happened. Knowing what happened every time I've broken a diet, why would I do it again? The Jay Walker is crazy. And it's on 38 that the line strangely insane comes up. It says, um, where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. Um, I was taught, there's a popular definition of insanity, repeating the same event, doing it over and over again, and expecting different results. Uh, that's, that's like your standard insanity. What makes us strangely insane is that we know what the result's going to be. 
know, I know that if I pick this up, this is what's going to happen. I am not going to have one cookie. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> and I know that. And that doesn't necessarily stop me from doing it. That's strangely insane. The alcoholic will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. That is, even knowing everything I know about program doesn't protect me. The only thing that protects me is my relationship with a higher power. <coughs> um, and that's the, this is the guy who said, I went to my hotel, leisurely dressed for dinner as I crossed the threshold for the dining room. The thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. If you're relatively new here, and even if you've been around for a while, talk to people who relapsed. Ask them what they thought just before the relapse. Ask them what thought was going through their head before they picked up. I, most cases, there's no thought at all. It's exactly what happened to this guy. The thought just crossed my mind that I would, when I was single for a long time in OA, I'm married now, very happily married, which I always thought was an oxymoron, but I'm, I'm very happily married. And um, I was single for a long time in OA. And I was on a date once and um, we were in this restaurant and she was ordering dessert. And uh, she asked me if I wanted some. And I said, no. And she asked me why not. And this is the truth. I could not remember why not. I knew I didn't eat that stuff. I knew it wasn't for me. But I had no memory of why. And this was like easily 14 years into recovery. Um, so he said, as across the, the dining room, the thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails you'd be amazed at the number of people who have relapsed just over a simple thought like that. Gee, it would be nice to have this for dessert. Um, <clears throat> then came the hospital on unbearable suffering. Um, this chapter ends with the great truth of, of recovery. Um, once more, the alcohol at certain times there's no effective mental defense. We have no mental defense because it's, that's where we're broken. We're mentally, uh, if you're broken mentally, you can't rely on your mentality to fix you. It's just, uh, it's like the best I could do is hobble by. There's no mental defense against the first drink except in a few rare cases, neither he nor, he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. Um, and that sounds a little drastic, especially if, if, you, if the God thing throws you off or something like that. But I got to tell you, I mean, <coughs> it's only a drastic issue if you're a late stage addict. You know, if you were to say to somebody with tuberculosis, listen, you're dying, but all you got to do to get well is believe in the Easter bunny. They believe in the Easter bunny. It's like, it's not a, it's not like, it's not a big like die, you know, live a miserable life, come to the end of your life, or believe in the Easter. But like, uh, this is a pretty easy thing. And um, my sponsor told me in the beginning to just look for evidence of God. And that's what I've been doing for 35 years. I just looked for it. And I keep finding it. And it keeps making my life better and better and more joyful and more joyful. So um, I've been rambling on for a while. I just want to say God and this program and you people have given me a life worth living. Um, thank you so much. If there's ever anything I can do to return the favor, please let me know. Thank you. Gary, thank you so much. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.
We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep our meeting on track. Um, if you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your, your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will uh, call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Um, Avon, if you will continue to <laughs> continue to set a timer for three minutes uh, for each share. And if Gary has asked a question, um, we'll allow him three minutes as well. And all right, so it's time for sharing. So Natalie, go ahead. Hey, sorry, I was trying to unmute there. Um, oh my gosh, I just want to say uh, thank you so much. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm still, I cannot stop laughing about this statement. Addicts are people who figure out what to do and then stop doing it. I don't know why. I am going to like plaster this on, uh, you know, in the car and uh, on the bathroom wall and um, just beautiful. And you know, just the comment that, you know, when life is going really well, I mean, that is, uh, you know, that is, that's the fodder for my ego. And, um, you know, like I got, I got things under control, but I just wanted to ask if you wanted to share anything about the ego when things are going like bad, actually, and, or how the ego kind of slips into your program and, and you, uh, you know, gets its foot in the door and sometimes you don't catch it. And, Anyways, anything you want to share about that? Thank you again so much. Yeah, the only thing I would say about that is I, I live a pretty godly life. Um, a lot of the time, some of the time, part of the time. <laughs> um, a, a lot of time, uh, most of the time, the best I can do is be a human being and, um, and, and stuff happens. Uh, the, the only way I know of... Um, of moving beyond my ego, uh, even in program, even in, even like I do a lot of service and I, like even in not looking for applause in my service or like, just in any of that stuff. The only way I know is by doing my best to be a, a loving servant of God's. And uh, I screw that up much, much of the time. Oh, driving. That's, that's where the driving, driving. My, like when somebody's in the left lane going too slower than I think they should, like all of a sudden I'm driving two cars, you know, like all of a sudden, like my ego, my ego, I'm driving this car, my ego is driving that car. And I like, uh, I, so I wish I could tell you there was some answer, like to fix it other than um, practice. All right, thank you so much for the question and the answer. And Victoria, you're next. Victoria, you're not coming through for some reason. That, yeah, it's always the headphones, yeah. Don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mime. Yes, now. Okay, yeah, Zoom Jill me. It <laughs> changed. Okay, hopefully somebody can edit that out. But if not, I hope that that'll be fun for people on the recording. Um, I'm Victoria. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm also 
um, recovered from a particular nasty, particularly nasty part of my disease, which was insulin manipulation. I'm a diabetic and I didn't, I wasn't on insulin at one point when I was binging. And then my doctor prescribed it to me because she said, well, I mean, she didn't know I was binging, but I essentially was like, I have no idea what's going on. I need more medicine for my diet. Like, and, and the thing is, I don't think, I didn't think I was lying to her. I thought I was being super honest and super compliant. That's the word that they use, super compliant. <laughs> and I was just like, there's just something in me that goes and eats stuff. And like, it's this craving that's uncontrollable and nobody understands. And I thought that was diabetes. I want everybody to know that wasn't my issue. Yes. It made, it made my compulsive eating so dangerous that I needed to come to OA at a young age, but that wasn't my issue. My issue was that I'm a compulsive overeater. That was also seeing, uh, issues with my blood sugar that were making me crazy. Um, on top of the mental illness that I already have. But the reason I'm sharing that tonight is because thank you to our, our speaker for talking about, you know, pursuing this until the gates of insanity or death. Uh, I'm a healthcare provider and I was appalled at the idea I might be a saint. I was appalled at the idea that I needed to accept a higher power into my life because I thought I was doing pretty well, except for this whole area where food was a disaster and ruining my life. But otherwise, I thought I had everything together. I was a faculty member at a medical school at 23 years old, had, you know, was paid off my student loans, kicking ass, you know, was going on dates, living life, going to happy hours with my friends. I had nothing. I had nothing together. I was the biggest disaster hanging on to a thread, you know? And for me, some of the methods we tried, I really appreciated the commentary on like, that's not that crazy. You know, for me, I hear whiskey and milk. I don't think whiskey tastes good. I drink milk and it's not a trigger for me. And I'm like, who the hell would do that? Like, I think it's totally nuts. But the things I've done, I've gone to a potluck, not been able to eat walked around my apartment in a circle for four hours trying to get my blood sugar to go down, then admitted myself to the ER at the hospital I work with wearing the jacket and the badge that says blah, blah, blah hospital. Like these are the things that make no sense. But to me, as a, as a compulsive eater, I was like, yeah, of course, this is what I'm going to do. And if I had a patient that had told me, oh, I'm overdosing my insulin because I'm eating too much and then I get to eat again, I would have said, you're going to kill yourself. I could have totally died. Any night I went to bed, I could have died. But to me, I was like, eh, I know what I'm doing. I think I've got this under control. I see the timer. And so I'm going to wrap up with this. The other thing is I love what was shared about. It's not just the allergy. I'm also allergic to pineapple. I don't go around eating pineapple wherever I can find it. I don't have a problem staying away from pineapple because it makes my tongue swell up and I don't eat it. I'm not addicted to pineapple. There are other things that I cannot remember to stay away from. And that's where this twofold aspect comes in. So thanks everybody for being here tonight and I will pass. Thank you so much, Victoria. All right, who's next? We got lots of time. Yep. Okay, Yvonne. Hi, everybody. I'll start my own timer here. Um, there we go. Yep. Um, I'm Yvonne, recovered compulsive overeater uh, up here in Canada. 
And yeah, Gary, thank you for your share. I could so relate to that. I was one of those people were like, okay, well, the food's crazy, but like, I'm not insane. Like that's, that's a little, that's a little over the top. I couldn't possibly be insane. Uh, lots of things seem to be going uh, well in my life. And yet um, I had the the food part of it that just was a disaster. Um, and then when I started program, much to my surprise, <laughs> I discovered, boy, my life wasn't nearly um, as together as I thought it was. The dishonesty, uh, the manipulation, all those things that I, I never even looked at before. I was totally oblivious to them. Um, and yes, the insane behavior. Um it is in part doing the same things over and over again. And I, I think I actually did expect a different result. Um, you know, it's like, well, I'm sure this time it's, it's like Monday, the 1st of January, that has to be the perfect date to start, right? Like it, the stars of a line this time, it's going to be different. Uh, of course it never was um, because I had a spiritual malady that wasn't uh, able to be addressed at a, at a pay and way. Um, and then the romancing the the food or romancing my drug. Yeah, I have to be really careful about that. Um, I'm pretty new into recovery. I only joined the rooms of OA um, last year um, in February. So I, I've been in the rooms about a year and I've got about 10 months of abstinence. Um, but I said to my sponsor a couple months ago, it's like, uh, maybe when my husband dies, like at his funeral, I think it would be okay to eat something then, right? Like, that would be okay. And she's like, what are you talking about? But that's the kind of insane idea where I think, yeah, but er er everybody would expect me to be having something. They can't possibly think I would go through that and, and not have just something. Um, so having to smash that idea that that's ever possible. Um, I was in another program before I came here um, where I thought after 30 days, oh, well, that's it. Now I've been 30 days. I'm cured. That's perfect. I'll eat uh, seven months later before I was able to get abstinent again. So for me, one cookie might be a seven day relapse, a seven year relapse. I don't know. It could be either one of those things. So thanks for reminding me that uh, I have to smash that idea. No romancing my food. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. All right, Kat, you're next. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, thank you, Gary, for your fair today. I really appreciated it. <clears throat> and it, um, I'm reflect what stuck out to me is just the word insanity. Um, I knew coming into OA, I was insane around the food and otherwise, like my life was unmanageable on many different levels. So maybe that maybe I was lucky in that and being like oh okay I need help and there's nowhere else for me to go um and I've just always stuck around even when I was in and out of the food I just knew I had nowhere else to go and that it works for other people so it's got to work for me and um my brain still can have insanity in other ways and I like 
how you were saying about like accepting the spirituality of the program. Um, just it, and that's another aspect, I think, or complication that not for me, at least I, I had a spiritual belief system before I came into the program, which I think has helped me stick around. But um, and just that it's okay, I accept the spiritual way of life, or I go out there into the world. And I don't know what's going to happen. If I'm not, if I'm not like, these rooms are what have saved me over and over again. And luckily, it's just one day at a time, like just for today, I'm, you know, I have a daily reprieve and I've sponsored people who say, well, I have a few days, you know, I'm a few days abstinent. And I'm like, well, you have a few more days than someone else might have. And I just have today too. Like I, there's no promise for tomorrow. And I have to do today what I did yesterday. Um, and I have to say just developing my relationship with my higher power is what's keeping me abstinent or recovered and continuing to work the steps and, you know, deepening that whatever, like there's so many big book studies and ways to work the steps. It's like almost overwhelming, but um, I'm just grateful for like how straightforward the big book is and how it just gives me these clear instructions and prayers and examples. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kat. Okay, Kathy, you're next. Hi, everyone. I'm Kathy. I'm a um, compulsive overeater and I'm pretty new to the program. Uh, Gary, thanks a lot. I really got a lot out of that. And um, I really liked how you separated the allergy from the mental, the thinking. Um, and while you were talking, like, it just dawned on me. I mean, I eat to, in response to just about any feeling I have. And I, you know, if you think, I thought, well, if I'm lonely, how is binging going to take care of that? You know, the, the same thing to do it would be to call somebody or, you know, go somewhere, you know, or if I'm angry, you know, stuffing myself isn't going to harm the person I'm angry at or the situation. It hurts me. Um and I, I get, I just never even thought it, thought about it like that. So, and I don't have, I don't have control over it. Um, the other night I was cooking dinner and making enough food for a few days of work. And I ended up eating half of it for no reason at all. I didn't even have to think about it. I just did it. So I belong here. Thanks very much. I'll pass. Thanks, Kathy. Glad you're here. 